1: That was Thousand Foot Crutch with Smackdown, and welcome to the Man Card Podcast, where we focus on real men doing real life in real time while living in the stress bubble of life. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed, saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The Man Card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, Leading courageously and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Men, are you ready for the Smackdown? How are you going to react to this episode of the Man Card Podcast? Thank you so much for listening. We are so excited uh, to have our subscribers out there, our men in the arena. Man, the last couple months, Dale, it's been awesome to watch us double the last four months of podcasting in one month. Mm -hmm. So this thing's really starting to take off and really... Uh, it's because of the guys, and we have wives as well that are listening to this podcast, that are driving to work, that are living in the stress bubble of life, that are raising kids, uh, trying to do their live their life right, and they're just saying, "Hey, man, this is important enough for me to take a half an hour out of my day uh, to invest in learning about how to be a better man." And so, you guys out there, uh, you you ladies out there, we are we're just blessed that you're listening. We just want to thank you. Uh, keep sharing our podcast. Keep pushing your friends to it. Uh, if uh, you have some friends that don't have anything going on, we're going to tell you a way that you can get the app without subscribing to the app. And so, uh, and here's how Dale's looking at me funny. So let me introduce <laughs> our our producer. I'm here with uh, my name's Jim Ramos. I'm here with my dear friend and producer. Here we go, Dale. The App Architect. Yes. Do you like that one? Dale, I am an over. architect. Yes. You are an architect.
1: I have taken AutoCAD.
0: Oh, have you? I I don't even know
1: what that is. AutoCAD, computer-aided drafting. What is that? If you're going to draft something, like...
0: Drafting, to me, has to do with football. So, oh, wait, I guess running... Drawing, drawing.
1: lines and stuff to build houses and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: in my world, Dale, you are my (laughs) app architect. So, (laughs) you have just put together, with the help of another organization, the coolest app out there. And to that, my friend, I salute you. And the cool thing is uh, people, I mean, we want people to subscribe to our podcast. However, if they can't or they don't know how or they don't want to push that extra button on their smartphone, how can they listen to our podcasts every week?
1: It's really tough. You just open your smartphone up to whatever you have, App Store, Google Play, whatever, where you download stuff and you download this app called The Great Hunt for For God. God. Yeah, The Great Hunt for God and download it and and that's it yeah i think that's cool i was showing free
0: i love it i love it i was speaking to a group of a high school an entire high school this morning and the guys are coming up what's that podcast what's that podcast it's so cool to see like 18 year old dudes here's a cool thing man i got done with my message i did three messages this week three dudes waited seniors in high school they waited 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 hey jim what can we pray for you man so how cool to have these three guys! Hmm. It was awesome. That's great. And so uh, I just was really honored by that group today. So hey, buddy, do you have a man word for us today? I do. It is intentional. Intentional. Yeah. No hyphen. No, that's just, all one that's word. Just one word. I'm doing really that's, good lately. That's impressive. Having one word words. So by intentional, <laughs> like yeah. in an intentional foul in basketball or something, or what? Yeah, what everything
1: about we do. I was thinking about this today. Everything we do, which should be done within intentionally. Um, because time, we don't have an abundance of time. We don't have an abundance of chances to do things. So when you're going to do something, do it with intention, uh, that you're going to do it right the first time. Um, why do I get up and have the rhythms I do with my family in the morning? It's all intentional so that when they leave the roost, uh, I've instilled some things in them. They're going to carry them along the way. When their friends are going one way, they're going to stand up and, and, uh, do the right thing.
0: That is so good. I mean, I was thinking about, as you were speaking, if I just get in, jump into the river, which I'm not going to do because it's cold and I can't swim, I'm going to naturally drift downstream. So our propensity is to drift. If we want to swim upstream or against Mm -hmm. the current, we have to be intentional. intentional. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate it. It's just uh, doing something, like thinking ahead of time, getting ahead of the learning curve, and uh, and that's going to be an uphill s- swim. It's going to be an uphill climb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if it's just a small hill, it's just something smaller, just do something that you've uh, thought about. And that's kind of the heart of leadership, right? It's being intentional. Mm-hmm. It's not going with the yeah. flow. It's, it's, in a lot of situations, going against the flow. So. Every
1: morning at 7.15, my daughters are expected to be in the kitchen, sitting at the table. And there's breakfast, and we are going to have a little talk and uh, you, what I do is we're just kind of reading through the Bible one chapter at a time and discussing what we just read. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. I don't want them growing up and and uh, <laughs> hearing something or reading something and going, I never heard that. My dad was a lazy bum that never taught me anything. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you've got girls, so that's a little bit different. Oh, Lord, than me, yes. So. I
1: got a lot of work, and I have to be very intentional. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: yeah. So, hey, man, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I am so excited about our guest today. As am I. And kind of, I don't want to put too much on his shoulders, but he's kind of uh, a hero, mentor, idol. I don't want to say idol because, you know, that's bad. But this is a guy, I mean, this guy has been doing it for three decades, Mm -hmm. and we've just started this thing. He's got so much to offer. Uh, I'm going to just read a little bit. His name is Brian Doyle. He is currently the founder and president of Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Equipping Conferences. Uh, he's passionate about churches, uh, getting them, equipping them for spiritual leadership in their home, church, community. He's served with navigators on campuses and military bases, as well as staff with promise keepers. The promise keepers was a, my aha moment as a man, as a, a husband. Uh, he did that in the 90s. He now serves as a founder and president, of course, of Iron Sharpens Iron, equipping churches. I mean, th- this he is leading an organization that has seen thousands, between 30 and 55,000 men a year, Coming through these conferences in their churches, I think they have 30, 30 to fifty-five conferences a year, depending on the year, of just hundreds and thousands of men coming. Uh, we've had the opportunity uh, to go to. I think we've done ten of those conferences so far, and actually got to meet Brian uh, in Hartford. And then uh, it's just it's I'm just so excited to to be around a guy who's doing it and to 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 interview him and to get it kind of gives us a little bit of push forward to see what. What the future is going to look like for us, and to to glean from a guy who is who's been doing it forever. He's co-authored right. several books, including "Engage: Building a Church-Based Ministry to Men" and "Equip: Building a Church-Based Ministry Through Men." He also serves. It's like a it's like this highlight film here. He also serves the board of directors of the Fatherhood Commission. Has served uh, for over ten years on the executive board of the National Coalition of Men's Ministries, and a, and uh, fifty nine years old. Uh, And I think I've got this right. Brian, you live in Orlando now?
2: I do. Yes, correct.
0: Okay. And then from Hartford, Connecticut, been married for 30 years to his beautiful wife, Barbara, has five children, Jessica, 22, Michael, 20, Matthew, 18, Timmy, 16, and Susie, 14. And so, man, I'll tell you what, I am pumped, (laughs) man. Are you pumped? (laughs) He, he doesn't I'm have... I'm fired st- up,
2: man. How about you? Well,
0: we're telling our we're telling each other we're pumped. I'm glad yeah. you're pumped. <laughs> no spare time does yeah. this guy have. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, those guys are men in the arena who are listening. You know, when you you were able to have a guy like this come on your podcast, uh, we want to pump him up because he will not pump himself up because he doesn't need to. You know, uh, if you say you're a man, that means you probably struggling with being one and so Brian uh, can walk in the room and it's just uh we spent about 45 minutes with him speaking in Hartford and man it was just a privilege and an honor so I'm not going to mess around anymore we want to bring our friend on new friend Brian Doyle so how are you Brian?
2: Doing great great to be with like-minded men.
0: Well I hope we didn't uh uh, put too much pressure on you with that introduction.
2: (laughs) Go ahead put the pressure on so what men can handle pressure God has designed men pressure too much of what's going on in the world is designed to alleviate men of pressure but we we're designed for but we're made for pressure bring on the pressure
0: yeah so so and i love that because we we try we one of our mantras brian on this podcast is that we are going after men living in the stress bubbles these guys are raising kids they're driving them to soccer practice and basketball, they're coaching their, their, their teams, they're involved in their church, they're working hard in their job, and what happens is that there's this bubble of pressure around their lives, and uh, we've seen men implode, we've seen men explode, but we're really helping men to stay in that bubble and actually thrive, and so uh, I appreciate that comment. When you say men are born for pressure and made for pressure, can you uh, expand upon that a little more?
2: Yeah, I can tell you what's going on in my life right now. My wife is stage 4 cancer. It's called intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma. You've probably wow. never heard of it because I sure never heard of it. Yeah, wow. Uh, but she's got more tumors in her liver than they can grow. So one day a week, we go to the uh, sixth largest cancer center in the United States of America, and we spend the day on uh, a treatment, getting her body filled with poison to try and kill the bad cells, but it kills the good selves as well. Meanwhile, I get the chance to step into this role of shepherding my bride of 30 years, and for my five children, as well as the extended family, the friends, the neighbors, the people who all love my wife, and who all want to know, how's it going? How are you doing? And so that's what men do. We stand in, we shepherd those that we love, we care for them. That's what we do.
0: That's awesome. Well, how, let me ask you this question because this is the this is the thing I'm always thinking about. So th- I hear what you're saying. That's what we do. So and you're under a lot of pressure right now. You know, Dale and I have been praying for Barbara for months now. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure with the children and then leading an organization that is literally uh, national for sure, probably international. How is the question? How if if we had if we were talking to men at one of your conferences? How? Do men handle this pressure that they are supposed to handle? How would you say? What are some What are some uh, coaching points that you would give to the guys?
2: Well, first of all, is realize that God designed you to do this. This is what God designed. I, so I can't give this away. I, there's nobody. I'm involved in a local church. I can't give this away to my local church. I can't give this away to my extended family. What I can do is accept anyone and everyone's help as they bring it. But what I've got to do is understand that I'm I'm the head of this household. I'm the leader of this family. Everybody, whether I like it or not, is looking to me. So I either go into my crib, close the door, and sulk, or by the grace of God, I stand up and do the very best I can. I'm a product of other people investing in me. You mentioned that I've been at this for 30 years. Well, it was about 40 years ago where men began to build into my life for no particular reason except they were great men. And they began to teach me what it was to be a man. They obviously started with my dad, but then when I went to college and met some men, got involved in the ministry, and guys began to invest into my life. And they did it in such a way that I could do it with other men as well. They helped me get established. They helped me get grounded. They helped me to just live life in a responsible way. And uh, that's really, that's why we're doing what we're doing with Iron Sure Preserve. We want to invest in that, but not just for the sake of the man. We want to invest in men because we're thinking about other people. In my case, people invested in me. They didn't know that 30, 40 years later, when we had five children, like my, my wife would get diagnosed with stage four cancer. And now everything that I've been doing up to this point in my life has been a dress rehearsal. Wow. Now it's really began. Now, so the dress rehearsal is over. It's time for me to step up and really be the man that God's called me to be.
0: So you've been in the game for 30 years. You're 59 years old, and you're saying that your this cancer is your opportunity to get in off the sidelines and get in the game. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, guess what? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be your wife being stage for liver cancer. I mean, I've had. Many crises in my life, this is just the biggest one I've ever had. A crisis is just coming, It's coming to, to you, to every guy who's living to, listening to us today. A crisis is around the corner. You can't avoid it. You just have mm. to be determined that you're going to be ready when it comes up to you. And so for me, when I mentioned this, my life has been a dress rehearsal. much of my life has been mini-crisis, which has prepared me for this major one. And who knows what's going to be after like this, but right now, in this particular moment, this
0: is where I'm living and leading. Man, that's so awesome because I, I, I look at you from the outside looking in, and with our organization, the Great Hunt for God, the Man Card Podcast, we are striving and fighting and pushing to get to a point that somehow looks like what you're doing. But what you're saying is, no, you're never there. You're, you're going from crisis to crisis pressure to pressure and you're going to continue to do that all of your life and this is just another uh another hill for you to climb in your journey through manhood so i I, there's a quote i heard years ago and i'm going to throw it at you benjamin disraeli said success is for is is a man is for a man to be ready for his time when it comes is that what you're saying this morning as far as these i do think it comes in
2: increments i remember my mom Passed away. Uh, it's been about seven years now. When she passed away, I'm um, her firstborn. She's my mom. I just wanted to warn my mom. Is, she was in intensive care for six months, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable. Intensive care in the local hospital for six months, like a record. wow And uh, while she was doing that, of course, she was standing and the time was coming. We could see it at some point. And so I had to gather. The family gathered my dad had already passed away. They gathered my brother, gathered my sister, gathered gather their spouses, gathered my mom's family from Scotland, gathered people, just begin to shepherd them because my mom was going the way of all people. Well, that just that was one of the things that prepared me for this time out. I had to step in. When I wanted to step out, step away, I had to step in. So that was the times of when Barb was diagnosed last summer, with stage four cancer, of course, the choice was there. Do I step out and step away? That'd be a bad choice. So I needed to step in. The pattern with my mom and with other things had already been set. When the time came, I was learning that I couldn't step away. I needed to step in.
0: So you're saying step
2: in to the
0: problem when everything else is saying to step out or step away. Uh, let me ask you this question, Brian. I'm, I'm asking this question because We've been saying certain things in our ministry and nobody has, well, we have a lot of pushback on a lot of things that we say. And, and I'm asking your advice here. One of the things that we say is that males and men are different. Males are born, men are made. Uh, And a lot of people out there say, no, 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 that's not true. But we think that manhood is a utilitarian term. It's a, it's a that a man is a man does. Am, am I off base with that? Should I rephrase re, uh, how we say that? Or do you think that males and men are indeed different?
2: Well, I would certainly hope they're different. And guess what? <laughs> men are in process. I like the fact that you said uh, you know, they're made and not just born. I'm a leader. Yes, I, I was somewhat born a leader. I have somewhat of a temperament personality. But my leadership gifts and skills and talents have been developed and continue to be developed. Mm. And part of what develops them is this iron sharpening iron. It's life on life with other men and it's just life that God brings into my path. So we're always developing. Hopefully I'll be continuing to develop to be more useful and more godly for the rest of my life. Man, that's so good. You know, I
0: was actually speaking on that passage this morning and one of the things about that passage that I love is that the word, there is no Hebrew word for another or for countenance if you read the King James Version, but the, the word used there is the word penne, Pene, p e n a, Hebrew word. It means face. And so I was speaking today to these students saying, who is sharpening your face? Who is giving you the eye of the tiger? Deuteronomy 34, 7, uh, Moses uh, dies at 120 years old. It says the light in his eyes Never went out, and then back before that in the book of Joshua, Caleb is saying, "I'm 84 years old, and I'm as strong now as I ever was." And so for me, as a 51 year old man, you know, I want to maintain this eye of the tiger, this this fire uh, for God for life, you know. And so as I think of iron sharpening iron, I'm thinking, who are those men in my life that are sharpening my face that are that are uh, have the guts to call me out and call me up, and in your, what you just said, call me. In where I want to shrink back, so so how does that how how does that relationship work between you and these men who are who are who are sharpening you? How many of those men do you have in your life?
2: Well, I try to model my life a little bit like Jesus did, where he had a couple of people that were pretty close, mm-hmm. and some other people with a different circle that were you know maybe not quite as close but still in his life, and then he had a you know bigger group of comrades that he did life with. A passage that uh, comes to mind, you mentioned Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the Bible, chapter 3, the writer pens these words. He says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but rather encourage one another Mm. daily, as long as it's called today, so you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Mm. But, I, but I, I'm not a huge news person, but I listen or watch enough news to know what's going on. Whether you're the governor of Alabama, whether you're a pastor of a large church, whether you're a TV anchor or, you know, celebrity on Fox News or wherever, there's all kinds of men doing all kinds of really stupid stuff. Yeah. Just stuff that you kind of go, really? And my take on these guys is they are not in relationship with other men not really they are, yeah. they do not live life with other men they are living life alone and when you live life alone you are open to stupidity and doing stuff that will not only wreck your life but will wreck the lives of the people you love the most well and how do you <clears throat> how do you live in this stress
0: bubble how do you live under the word you use was these pressures of life so we've been created to uh, live in these pressures what i don't understand brian is
2: how do we do it alone you know i don't I, I, well i don't think anybody does it alone <laughs> i mean it's a it's part of the uh, the clint eastwood john wayne lie that at least my generation had to swallow and just deal with the fact that strong men do not stand alone. strong men choose to put themselves in connection with other strong men they lock arms and they choose to live life together. So what's so what's the problem?
0: Because I agree wholeheartedly with you, and uh, I'm 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 fighting and fighting and fighting with other men because they have this rugged individualistic mindset. How do we get these men to realize they need to do that? What's the challenge? Well, there? I mean that's
2: that's a job that's that's a job that you're not going to do by yourself. Uh, things like this podcast uh, will help because the culture is throwing all of us a lie. It's throwing women a lie as well. Women don't believe the lie of isolation, men choose to live that lie. But I do think uh, just the fact of what uh, you're doing on the podcast, what you're doing in your ministry, the idea of Iron Sharpen Iron gives men a model. It showcases what it looks like for an adult male. To have a friend. And that's one of the things that you, know, you said you were in a high school today. Young men don't need this. Young men understand it. They do it naturally. Yes. And then they get to be in their 20s and then they mess around and they might even get married, they get a mortgage, they get a job. And all of a sudden, those friendships begin to drift and they begin to live life alone. And life gets harder and they press in, they work harder, but it doesn't work because it's not the way God designed it. We have to make choices to put ourselves in places where we're building friendships with other men. Man, that is so
0: good because our man word is intentionality and you said they start drifting and I believe they're just floating, going with the flow downstream and what happens when we get married, right, is those high school friendships, those college relationships that we had with with our buddies, we begin to isolate ourselves within our family, within our work community but what we really need is to find other men I'm not discounting the wife the husband wife relationship is the most important relationship, but discounting those men in our life that can sharpen us and we allow ourselves to get locked into this thirty year phase of workload and stress bubble life and we begin to drift because we lack those guys in our life to make us better
2: yeah wow that's so- well it's risky because you know all of us, including myself, I can for prefer- in a relationship with guys who just turned their back on me, and in some cases, I'd say they stuck a knife in my back. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do when that happens? Well, this is where you have to suck it up and do it again. Uh, yeah. It's a risk because you know it might happen, but you got to take that risk. You know, for me, I mean, one of the things that I, I believe in the book of Proverbs, uh, same chapter chapters, uh, chapter 27, says uh, the, the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. And so I need men in my life who, are, who who care for me and who are wise, both qualities. They care for me and they're wise so they can help me navigate, including what I'm going through right now. They can help me navigate through life because I can't do it by myself. And that, by the way, that's a first step for all of us. You've got to come to a conclusion. this is I'm not going to pull this off really well. By myself, I might be able to get by, but I'm not going to pull it off really well unless I get some people speaking
0: into my life. That is so good. You know, I was, uh, like I said, I spoke out of Proverbs this morning and uh, that chapter 27, and I cannot remember the verse, but somewhere in chapter 27 it also says, The wounds of a friend. Oh, what does it say? It speaks about the wounds of a friend. And I thought, you know what? That, That to me, I'm going to be wounded. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna carry wounds through my lives. I'm a broken man. I've, but I need guys around me that love me enough. And I th- th- f- hope I'm not saying this wrong, but that th- love me enough to wound me in love with the truth. And that yeah. hurts. The
2: Wounds of a friend can be trusted. Yes, that that's NBA it. That's it. Multiplies kisses.
0: Yes. I, I don't need yeah. friends. But- I don't need guys kissing my. But, so to speak, I need friends that are willing to wound me because they see what's going on in my life.
2: Well, that's what they're willing to do. They're willing to just say, Now, by the way, I don't want to be wounded all the time. (laughs) I mean, mean, just would you give me a little slack? (laughs) A couple guys that I say, I say, you know, I'm expecting, you know, for you, Jim and Dale, I'm expecting you guys because we don't have a really close relationship I'm expecting you guys to give me the benefit of the doubt. Yes, I really, I I want the benefit of the doubt. I w- that's what I'm looking for. But I need a couple guys who do not give me the benefit of the doubt. When they see something that's off, maybe in the way I'm relating to someone in my family, maybe the way I'm using my money, maybe it's the way I'm just talking in general, maybe it's the way I'm using my time. I want them not to give me the benefit of the doubt it just graciously say, hey what's going on i need a couple guys like that
0: and you know what in your position you're you're a 59-year-old man so you're a, you're you've you've gone through the gamut of of life you're a a magnum leader and so what i have found in my life and i'm going to share a story that's going to encourage you is that even though we put that out there people still shrink back because they think well I can't say that to him now I was at the conference in Hartford with you you know we had the we were uh, blessed to do a seminar and uh, one of the keynote speakers said this sometimes your charisma can take you places your character can't keep you and I'm going to tell you right man right now that that was a price for admission of admission for me I that rocked my world and I I I went back to my board I said you guys I said I have got to confess something if God answers my prayers, I'm not sure my character can handle it. So, guys, I want you to do something. Yep. I mandated my board. I said I want you to come up with one character component in my life that I need to work on, and I need you to share it with me. And so those board members mm. did, and I'm telling you, it hurt. And it was embarrassing, to be honest with you. Uh, and but, but you know what? We need to invite those <laughs> men in. To our lives, who don't give us—I love the phrase—they don't give us the benefit of the doubt, and so that is yeah. that is risky, and that and you've got to have people. I guess the the dilemma there, and you had mentioned earlier about people, you know, uh, that that potential to stab you in the back. I guess the risk there is that you, somebody their motivations shift, or um, or they no longer are on the carrying the same DNA you are, and they do hurt you. Is there any way to guard yes. ourselves against that?
2: No. <laughs> yeah, no, I... you just have to realize that you walk by faith, not by sight. It's probably going to happen. Yeah. So you just kind of go for it anyway, praying and doing what you can toward it not happening, but not safeguarding yourself in such a way that you never go where you need to go. I loved what you said earlier. Suck it up. <laughs>
0: we just need to. Well, suck you know, it I think mean, part
2: of this is, you know, uh, for me, in my role right now, so, so I get to do this uh, work, which is a great work, but the most important work I'm doing is right here in my home. Yes, This is the work, you know, this is a unique season of life, and I get the chance to shepherd my family through this season. I get to do it, and I choose to do it because I believe that's what God would have me. I choose to do it visibly so that other men don't have to you know, don't they at least have a potential of a of a pathway mm-hmm. to follow. They've seen it illustrated. They've seen an example of what it is. And that's what I need. I need other men who've kind of gone through this before me who I can you know gain some wisdom from and glean some insight and tips from. And that's what we need. That that's why you need men in your life. So you don't have to always carve everything out. We shouldn't have to be carving out a path. Every time something happens, there should be trailblazers who
0: have gone before us. Oh man, I love that. So okay, I need another piece of advice from you. So I was doing a wedding a couple weeks ago, and one of my what I, what I believe is true is that there's an order that God has created. We put Him first, then under Him we make our wife first, and then under her we make our children first. So I was expressing in this wedding ceremony with this couple who'd been living together for two years. They had a child out of wedlock, and they were a relative of mine. I was saying you, talking to him, need to make her the most important person on the planet. And you, speaking to her, need to make him the most important person on the planet, more important than your family, your kids. And then the bride's father stood up and said, I don't think I agree with that. (laughs) And so my question is to you that this is not, these were not, uh, these are people who don't believe necessarily what we're believing. And so my question to you is, especially to these second marriages where there are stepchildren involved, do you think that the kids should come first in priority? Or do you think that the wife and the husband, that they should make each other the most important person on the planet in their life? Where do you stand with that? I know that's a loaded question. Well, I've certainly, i got
2: five kids. Here, here's what I would say. I do a seminar, Jim, and here's what I call it. Loving your kid's mom. Yes. The reason I call it that is because I know, because I've experienced it myself, and I've certainly talked to hundreds, if not thousands of men who experience it, is that your kids grab your heart. You know, after you've been married for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you, know, you might have great days with your wife, but you might have other days. She's an adult, and you yes. kind of wish you could get with it. But your kids, your heart is almost always softer toward your kids, so you have to be careful you guys used the word at the beginning of this podcast about intentionality you have to be intentional in putting your wife before your kids when I would come home after a hard day at the office you know I would navigate my way through the kids who were clinging mm-hmm. to my legs hold on my arms so that I could make sure I would touch my wife <laughs> give her a kiss and embrace so that my children would know that my wife is first When I take my wife on a day especially when they were little they well, can we go why can't we go because I'm taking your mom on date. She's first. Well, she's more, you know, the kids, they get this. I believe that this is the foundation to a child's stability mm-hmm. is understanding that mom and dad love each other more than they love them. Oh, absolutely. In a, in a
0: world where half of the half of the families are divorced, I, I'm, I'm reaching out to a group right now in the military where 90% of these men in peacetime, Uh, experience divorce and so this is a huge issue in in our country right now and here's what would you say Brian to I'm from a broken family so my parents were divorced uh, they divorced on my 13th birthday so I'm from a broken family uh, but my and here's my question to a broken family where there's a remarriage and now the stepchildren so the propensity of men is often to say to the wife my kids are more important than you How would you admonish – I know a word you've been using lately that you love is exhortation. How would you exhort a man who says that to his wife, that the stepkids are – that my kids are more important than you? How would you admonish or exhort that man?
2: Well, I mean, he's a Christ follower. I take him to the scriptures. (laughs) Not a Christ follower. just use practical sense to say – you're going to be married to your wife long after these kids are gone. They're going to be gone. Who knows where they're going to be. It's just going to be you and her. You've got to figure it out right now and tell the watching world who the most important person in your life is. Because if not, that thing will be over.
0: Well, and so many marriages end at 25, 26, 30-year-old Mark, because they look at their spouse after the kids left and went, "Uh, who are you and why are we together? And they need to figure this out. Yeah, I agree. So, hey, manly men, uh, and and let me when I say manly, realize I'm saying uh, men look different, right? You can be a computer guy and be a man, you can be a musician, be a man, a poet, an athlete. So, a man is well, as a man does, not as a man looks, uh, you know, or not a man, a man's hobby does not make the man, a man's vocation does not make the man, but manly things make the man. So, besides, you know, your day what are some of your daily routines that you do uh, that that you would say build into your
2: manhood? Well, one of the things I do is I have to have a frame of reference that have there's have some kind of foundation of what a man looks like. But we've already talked about the fact that, you know, we live in a world that's changing all the time. The culture tells us certain things that we know aren't true. They're mm-hmm. just plain lies. No, where do I get the truth? Where do I really understand man? And for me, I open up the scriptures. Yes. I read it try to understand what God has planned for me, what does he design for me as a man, and then step into it. And then uh, I, I'm an early guy, so I get, I get that time early in the morning. And then I go into the kitchen and I do the dishes. And I get the day prepared for the family. And I let them know that uh, the man of the house is the servant. He's not just a leader. He might be a leader in title, but he's a servant in action. So that's two things I do to start my day. You know, it's
0: it's so encouraging because we I, we've interviewed about 70 men so far, maybe not so many, but every man, I'm not talking about males, but every man that we've interviewed has said virtually the same thing. They get up in the morning, they do some kind of devotional or meditation or Bible reading, and then they serve their family in some capacity. So that's just really encouraging. So, so okay, here you go, Brian. You don't know a lot about our organization. We're just uh, building a relationship, but we have developed what we call the man card, and we actually have metal man cards. And so, we've identified five things about manhood. And so, I'm going to ask you to uh, let to share which is the one that you are working the most on right now. So, the five things are protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Which one of those? Really strikes a chord with you right now in your life.
2: I think uh, leading courageously uh, back because of the particular last nine months with Barbara being diagnosed with stage four cancer. Only two weeks uh, in the middle of the summer when we received this diagnosis, where I was, I was paralyzed. I, yeah, yeah. It came out of nowhere. Uh, she didn't look like she was sick. I was just. I, I was numb, but then this idea of leading courageously wasn't just about me. I looked around and, and, and I realized it did, I needed to step up, not for my sake, but for all these people that were looking mm. for me. Mm-hmm. And so leading courageously, I mean, sometimes you want to, sometimes you don't, but yet must for the sake of others.
0: Oh, that's so good. One of the terms I used uh, yesterday when I was speaking at this group was when you fall there is collateral damage. And what a man, I believe when a man gets it, everyone wins. But when a man falls, he he needs to recognize the collateral damage that he causes in the wake of his decision to not lead. And so what would you tell men who are, who are oscillating? Because uh, there are men listening to this podcast right now who are, Moving into that realm, like they're realizing, okay, I need to lead. They just don't know how. They don't know what to do. Uh, And you and I talked about this in in, uh, Hartford. How could you speak to those men and not overwhelm them to the point of uh, uh, being paralyzed?
2: Okay, so what to do
0: if they're feeling they're stuck or they're paralyzed? They're wanting to lead. They're wanting to lead, uh, but they don't know how. Uh, They don't know how to lead their wife. They don't know how to lead their their family and how do you encourage them to lead without overwhelming them? Because if if I sat down with you yeah. and listened to what you did, I would be I would be like, nope, I'm out, can't do it. So so how do you how yeah. do you navigate to help these guys? They're we call them our men in the arena. They're listening right now, and how do how can we encourage these guys uh, without overwhelming them?
2: Yeah, well, I think uh, just switch the verbiage. We have a certain. Uh, I think something comes to mind when we're thinking leading. I mentioned a couple minutes ago, what I do is serve, but I serve as a leader. I mean, I serve every day. So when I get up in the morning, I serve. That's my way of leading. I mean, it's not like, you know, get in line or telling people what to do. I serve. I look for where the needs are. I jump in with both feet, use both hands, give it my very best. Now for me, again, because I'm a Christ follower. I mean, there, there are going to be times when people really, really appreciate my service. And Frankly, I really like those days. And there <laughs> are some days where people really don't appreciate my service. And it's like, you know, do you understand how I'm serving? But uh, there's a passage on the scriptures that talks about you serve. You know, you, know, you serve God, and not just man. So well, I'm a servant of Christ. So I'm serving because God called me to serve. I'm not serving because people appreciate me. So, as a man, stop waiting for people to appreciate you. Serve anyway. That's how you lead. Suck it up. Uh-huh. That's a T-shirt, Dale.
0: Yeah. Suck it up and serve anyway. <laughs> no, I love that because there's a, in in the in the in the church there is there's this uh, uh, p- a pushback when you talk about male leadership, but when you sit down and describe that leadership is service. That changes the whole ballgame. So so you're saying leadership and service in the household are somewhat synonymous?
2: Well, same thing. That's how you lead by
0: serving. You don't lead by leading. I mean, you,
2: you can't let people lead. You serve.
0: That's how you lead. I love that. That's awesome. Hey, okay, so Brian, if we were to take you back, 25 years, so you would be, what, tw- do the math, Dale. Help me, Dale, with the math. 59 49. minus 25. Right. I, think, I think you're wrong. Take him back. <laughs> so you're a 25-year-old man. What advice would you give yourself?
2: Oh, well, let's see. Uh, I think as a young man in, in, in my 20s and 30s, uh, I probably want to make sure that I'm getting good counsel on the most important decisions. Mm that I'm ever going to make who I'm going to live my life with. What am I going to do with my life and where am I going to do it? Man, uh, don't make it. those decisions. Don't let those decisions make themselves for you. Uh, get get counsel from people that love you and love God, who really have insight and experience. Don't make these decisions on your own, man. I love that. That that leads to another question of
0: mine. Can you speak to uh, this for a minute? Cause I've seen a real, uh, separation uh, or a silo effect uh, within the church or even just within society between the elder generation, the younger generation, those in the stress bubble. Can you speak to the value of locking arms with men in an intergenerational fashion?
2: Well, that noise and value, I mean, part of this is a vision that each of us, you, me, everybody listening today has Your life. Hmm. If you want your life to impact eternity, if you want your life just to impact more than the time that you're here, that's why you invest in the next generation. That's your legacy. When you're gone, and people probably will not remember you, your name, or much that you did, it's those people that you invested in. That, whether it's recognized or not, that's your input, that's your value to what the current society.
0: So what would you say uh, to men? Re- I understand the men reaching down, but how about the men? How about us as men reaching up to those guys that are 10, 15, 20 years ahead of us? What's the value in that?
2: Well, you go, that's where you, uh, you do two things. You give value to men who have been there and done that, and you allow them to uh, treasure uh, not just what they did right, but what they did wrong. One of the things I tell guys who are a little bit older than me, who often, if not almost always, say, "You know, I don't have that much to offer." You would, if you knew the things I did wrong, you wouldn't be speaking to me. I go, "I want to know the things you did wrong, because I don't want to do those things." You can help me today by your willingness to be honest, open vulnerable, transparent with a younger guy. So when I get to be 65, 70, 75 years old, I don't make those same errors. Would you help me out? And so that's, I mean, we've all got much value. It's just, or or if we're willing to offer it,
0: you have just, I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. This is so important. You younger guys, listen up, man. These older guys have something to offer you. And oftentimes it's their mistakes, so if we, can, if we can reach up a generation, pull them into our circle, get these nuggets of truth and wisdom they have learned, man, these are invaluable. So you do not have to make these mistakes again. And a lot of our older guys say exactly what you're saying. I have nothing to offer except for life of this and this. And man, those failures are just nuggets of truth. I'm 51 years old. I've got three or four guys I reach up to who are in their 70s. And the things that they pass on to me our life changing man i'm just thank you so much for sharing that that's so affirming well hey brian we're about done we've gone way way long which we kind of thought we thought we would but we're gonna move into our rapid fire round be ready
2: okay go for it
0: oh dale that was the weakest <laughs> that was the weakest hold on brian i've got a fire i've got a fire dale so oh I'm really drunk. you're over for two what are we shooting like is that cat shooting that thing oh man right, okay we let's rapid no, no. fire round we've got, we've got, oh that's horrible Okay, whatever. Oh, hey, we have to forgive him, or I can't go to heaven. So anyway, we we can't edit things. No, but we never do. (laughs) I do. Okay, just be quiet. (laughs) Sorry about that, Brian. We were having a we were having a locking arms moment there. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, Brian, I'm going to ask you uh, five questions, and just uh, really quickly, if you can answer those for us in a rapid fire round, we'd really appreciate it. You ready for this?
2: Yeah.
0: All right, here we go. What's on your heart? My family. Yeah, I, I was thinking that, especially Barb. Uh, how about give me a man quote?
2: Well, you said it earlier.
0: Suck it up. Suck <laughs> it up. Well, the, the funny part is I first learned that from my wife. So, but we'll give a man credit there. So, uh, hey, how about a, 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 a? Give me a book that you'd recommend uh, for a man to read.
2: The resolution for men.
0: The resolution for men, oh, and is that was that attached to? The truth,
2: yeah, the, dare. the truth, yeah, courageous.
0: Yeah, the Kendrick brothers. That's Go right. Get it today, a resolution for men. I have that in my library somewhere. Okay. How about? How about? Uh, give us advice. Uh, give us some wife advice. Like, how? How? What would you say to a man who wants to love his wife better?
2: Stop trying to balance your life. Live your life by priorities. Your wife's your priority. Man, that's outstanding. Mm-hmm.
0: How about? How about uh, leadership advice? I think we already got that. Serve. Serve. Would you give us Serve another, would,
2: and
0: stop waiting for someone to thank you. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Dale, did you hear that? Uh, okay. Hey, <laughs> I, I say thank you, but I'll thank say you. I will say it more. Thank so, you, Jimmy. Man, Brian, I, I know we're out of time. I just cannot express how how thankful we are that uh, you came on our podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I look forward to seeing you soon. So, thank you so much. Is there an email our guy can our guys can get a hold of you at? Very
2: easy, Brian. B R I A N. Scott Doyle, P-O-Y-L-E, at ironsherpensiron.net. Hey, and guys, if you're listening and you have
0: not attended one of these conferences and you're in that area, man, you need to to go. These things are uh, life-changing. I promise you will get way more than your money's worth. So uh, thanks so much again, Brian. And guys, again, guys listening, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. Uh, Make sure you tell your buddies about what we're doing here uh, share our podcast, just whatever you can do. Uh, give us your input if there are any topics you want to hear about. Uh, if you're man enough to handle the MCP, let us know. We'd love to interview. We interview men, not males, so please let us know. Uh, this podcast, um, please share it. And if you have any questions or comments, you can let me know at jim at thegreathunt4god.com. Uh, thanks again to, for listening for this to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. And remember, males are born. But men are made. Until next time, be a man.
1: This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of a man, then purchase your own copy of The Field Guide, our bathroom book for men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You'll find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right. 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your copy for you and your friends from our website at www.thegreathuntforgod.com forward slash gear. You'll also find our five book, The Man Card Series. Grab several copies, recruit some friends, and champion the cause for men today. We are a donor-supported nonprofit organization with the mission to transform the lives of men and those they love. If today's podcast has inspired you, please consider becoming a financial champion by going to the great for forward slash donate and champion this great mission for men, or simply grab your phone, text hunt give to 76959, then hit send. That's it. Just text hunt give to 76959, then hit send. On behalf of the Man Card Podcast, this is Dale Culver. Be a man.
2: Get ready for the Smackdown. Get ready for the Smackdown.